Good morning. Welcome to Riviera United Methodist Church this beautiful Palm Sunday. Please stand as you are able. And I'm going to be reading Luke 19, 24 through 41. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. As he came near and saw the city, he wept over it. Friends, let us enter the city with God today and sing hosannas to our king. Let us turn our backs on the power that grasp and control and open our hearts to the Son of God riding on a donkey. Let us join his parade, surrounded by outcasts and prostitutes, the blind and the leopard. Let us follow the one who brought freedom and peace and walk in solidarity with the abandoned and the oppressed. Let us shout for joy at Christ's coming and join his disciples, welcoming the broken, healing the sick, dining with outcasts. Let us touch and see as God draws near. Let us rejoice, wave our branches high, and welcome the Son of God. Friends, it's good to be back with you to see your bright and shiny faces. It has been a... um, I pulled my robe out of my closet in my office this morning, and it still had my Christmas Eve stole on it. Uh, It seems that a little time has passed. We have moved on through Epiphany and Lent, and here we are today on the final Sunday of Lent. It has been... uh, I I will share more with you about my renewal leave time and what that was all about uh, later at another time, and I know that it has been an eventful couple of months around here, both within the life of this congregation and the United Methodist Church. But this week, we are all about the Jesus story. This week, we are about immersing ourselves in the great traditions of the church, the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And in this story today, what we call Palm Sunday, or sometimes it's called the triumphant entry, though I'm not sure what it was triumphant over, but we'll get to that. This story is in all four Gospels. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is not on all four Gospels. 
The Lord's Prayer, Jesus' primary teaching on prayer, is not in all four Gospels, but this one makes the bill on all of them. So something was happening here for the church and for the disciples, and they recognized that very early on. It is certainly a parade. Now, I like a parade, kind of. I'm not not really into crowds, per se. Mark and I have gotten up at the long before the crack of dawn and gone to the the Rose Parade a few times on New Year's morning, and that's, you know, that's all fun, the pageantry, the marching bands, the, you know, the horses, and the, my favorite part of the Rose Parade is, they don't, I don't know if they even show this on TV, it's the little people in the white outfits, they're like teenagers that go through picking up the horse poop, (laughs) but they're so darn happy about it, they are just elated, and so they're just dancing and picking up horse poop, anyway, it's delightful, if you ever get a chance. I, of course, as a kid, grew up watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, but of course my favorite parade was the Fourth of July Parade in our neighborhood, where all the kids would decorate their bikes with streamers and pom-poms and such, and uh, and then a police car would come and parade us through the neighborhood. That police car must have been just crawling <laughs> as, as all the kids moved through the neighborhood and their parents and neighbors waved. In today's passage, it, it was a little different. Jesus was staging his own parade. It was a little bit of street theater. And Jesus kind of lays this whole thing out. Uh, it's really a pretty paltry parade. It's kind of Limited. There are no marching bands that we know of, and you know, no sky riders, no horses, just a measly donkey. In today's passage, I don't even know if you noticed this. Uh, in Luke's version, there's no shouting of Hosanna, and there is no palms or branches of any trees to speak of. What they do is they lay their cloaks out for Jesus. But it's a parade nonetheless, and Jesus orchestrates it. There's a lot going on in Jerusalem, and of course the disciples have been following Jesus mostly around the countryside for these three years, and they have been watching in shock as Jesus reached out to heal a leper. They have been standing back in dismay as they found him talking to a Samaritan woman who had had five husbands, they were gasping when he decided to pay no attention to the Sabbath laws, that the law of love would always trump the law of Torah. And so the disciples had been watching observing, taking this all in. They had watched as he had healed people. His teachings on love, of course, were not new. The whole, what is the greatest commandment? You all should be able to say it with me. It is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus had been acting that out, had been putting that into flesh. What does it look like to truly love our neighbor as ourself? And that 
was increasingly getting him into trouble with the good religious authorities and folks of his day. And so now it comes to the Passover feast in Jerusalem. You remember that the Passover feast is um, a feast of freedom and liberation. It is uh, commemorating uh, Moses and the Israelites making their way out of slavery and oppression in Egypt and into the promised land. And so just this last Thursday night, I was at a Seder at Temple Menorah, and we recalled those events. And in the Hebrew tradition, you always, when you recall the events of the Seder, you think of other communities that are also yet oppressed, that are still in need of freedom and liberation. And so it is both an ancient commemoration and a modern touchstone to what is, what's going on in the world. And so we, we celebrated that Seder. Of course, uh, the, the real uh, Passover is this coming Friday night and Saturday. So uh, but this was a little early because they were inviting the interfaith community to the temple. And so the Seder meal always ends with the words, next year in Jerusalem. Next year, we will be at the place of God's restoration and wholeness, where God's reign is complete. That's always been the dream, a dream of peace in Jerusalem, a a dream of coming into God's fullness in this place. And so for good Jewish folks, if you want to be anywhere for Passover, be in Jerusalem. And so Jesus and his disciples as good Jews made their way into Jerusalem. But you remember that Israel at the time was an occupied territory. It was part of the Roman Empire. And so as Rome is kind of watching this religious festival happening, they don't, Rome never really cares about other religions. They're, they're fine with anybody practicing their own faith as long as they pay their taxes and stay out of trouble. But when you're celebrating a religious feast that has to do with liberation from oppression and you're Rome, well, you want to keep a close eye on that, make sure it doesn't get out of hand, make sure all those people just kind of keep it in the religious sphere. Don't get political. Don't start talking about Rome. And in comes Jesus. And as he makes his way into Jerusalem, this little piece of street street theater that he orchestrates, his disciples, interestingly, and I've heard this said, that this is the day, you know, we we in the church, we say that the church was born on Pentecost. I, I have heard other folks say that maybe the church was born on Palm Sunday because it was the day the disciples sort of came out of the shadows, came out of just being people who follow and listen to Jesus and maybe give them the benefit of the doubt, to people who are willing to step up and pledge their allegiance to Jesus above all else, above Roman authority, above the powers of this world. They shout as they come into Jerusalem, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the son of David. David, you will recall, was a great king of Israel, a mighty, powerful king, very, you know, triumphant in war and battle. And so declare Jesus king in this way was to declare their allegiance to Jesus above all other authorities. And you can imagine the Roman authorities are getting a little anxious. And of course, we know that this 
kind of gets into a boiling point at the end of the week. But Jesus, at this point, was so clear about his mission, was so clear about his intent, that nothing could stop it at that point. I'm kind of a bit of a, um, a space junkie. I love all things space. Little known fact about me, I have been on the space shuttle Columbia. In actual fact, I have been in the cockpit of the space shuttle Columbia before its last mission. That's another story for another time, but I love space stuff. So yesterday, I went to go see the Apollo 11 movie, which is, you know, about the first moon landing. I also, while I was on break, watched First Man, which is about Neil Armstrong. And the, the, anyway, I'm kind of in moon fever right now. This is the 50th anniversary, people. So we'll hear about that later. But anyway, so. <laughs> but I was thinking yesterday as, as the astronauts were kind of... Uh, positioned for takeoff and the countdown was on and everything was just ready to go, all systems ready to go. And then the, the Pharisees step in and they pull, pull them aside and say, you know, I'm not sure that this is a good idea. I'm not sure that really we should go in this direction. Now, I give the, the Pharisees credit because sometimes we look at the Pharisees and we think that maybe they are kind of the bad guys or something. I I don't think they meant any harm. I think they were good religious people who really meant to protect Jesus in this case. But Jesus says, if these folks were silent, the very stones would cry out. Everything is in order. I have shared with you everything I can about the love and grace and forgiveness of God. I have taught you how to care for your neighbor. I have shown you that love transcends all of our boundaries. It sends us out into the world in ways that are, well, a little scary and threatening. I have healed the leper. I have touched those that nobody else would touch. I have reached out and I have shown you what love looks like. There is no stopping this now. The train has left the station. You can't stop these people anymore from praising because they are so bursting. They are so bursting with a message of love and grace and forgiveness and hope and transformation. And their allegiance has shifted. Their allegiance has shifted to the sort of petty little powers of this world to the redeeming grace of God that will stop at nothing. The train has left the station The rocket is ready to take off, and Jesus is going to march into Jerusalem, whether we like it again or not. Against the better judgment of the religious folks, Jesus said, I'm going. I'm going because nothing can stop the message of love. I will not be deterred. And so Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem. And of course we know how this week will go. He will find himself clashing with both religious authorities and with civic authorities. He will find himself faced with some ultimate choices. To my mind, if the cross says anything, it says that there is nothing, 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 nothing that will ever separate us from the love of God. Not betrayal, not hatred, Not disunity, not pain, not neglect of the gospel, 
Nothing can stop the love that Christ first began in his ministry, that he then gave to his disciples. That is our calling, to pledge our allegiance to Christ, to the Prince of Peace, to say that we are a part of the kingdom of God. The kingdoms of this world are are fine and good, but our ultimate allegiance belongs to God, to the redemption that we have found in Christ and that we believe is available to everybody in Christ. And so we, we have to burst forth from this place with a message of peace and hope and love and grace because that's all the gospel calls us to do. And if we're silent, the very stones will cry out. The question for us this day and every day and every day is about how we will join this parade. Will we be in the front of the line declaring Christ as king? Will we find ourselves somewhere in the back of the crowd, maybe a little embarrassed by this show? Well, we have some spiritual work to do this week. Some spiritual work to do, to pray, to reflect, to figure out how we're going to live out this law of love, how we're going to follow this Prince of Peace. You are invited to join the parade. I hope that you will come with us. Let us pray. Gracious God, nothing, nothing, nothing ever stops your love. Sometimes we get in our own way and we second-guess what Jesus is up to. But he will not be deterred. He keeps marching to Jerusalem because he knows that we are called to bear witness to love and grace and redemption. And so, God, walk with us this week. Help us, God, to see ourselves to know your salvation in our hearts. God, indeed, help us to die to those things that are getting in the way of your salvation and your peace in our lives and in the world. And God, lead us. Lead us as we walk with Christ into this week that indeed we might be resurrected with him. For it is in his name and to his glory that we pray. Amen.